Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. You're going to hear from the chair of the Métis Nation of Ontario and how Métis people have been omitted from the residential school narrative in this country. We'll speak with the creator of a new documentary that looks at the relationship between Indigenous peoples and settlers in Canada. Hockey is bringing together youth from Attawapiskat and the GTHA. There's a warning out from Hamilton police that you should know about. High inflation continues to hit our pocketbook and the Hamilton Bulldogs launch into their season. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. We are marking this national day for truth and reconciliation by listening and by learning and sharing in these conversations with you, our listeners, so you can also listen and learn. Hank Rollinson is our next guest. Hank is the chair of the Métis Nation of Ontario, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Hank, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Rick? I'm great. How does, or maybe what does, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation mean to you? When you reflect on this day, what comes to mind? I think you hit the nail right on the head. It's about listening and learning. Uh, It's an opportunity for all Canadians to consider what each of us can do to advance reconciliation with Indigenous people and to recommit understanding the truth of our shared history. You know, this is a day that honors the lost children and survivors of residential schools their families and communities. So uh, public uh, commemoration of the tragic and painful history is an ongoing uh, impact of residential schools, uh, which is a vital component of the reconciliation process. Is it, I'm not, I'm not sure if comforting is the word to use, but I'll, I'll use it. Is it comforting to know that more Canadians are listening and learning through this process? I'm going to be quite honest. From my perspective, yes. Uh, I'll give you a prime example. Is uh, not too long ago, my uh, daughter wrote a essay uh, on residential school. She uh, was in a Catholic school and uh, was given a failing grade because the teacher didn't believe that this actually happened until uh, the federal government offered their apology. Uh, she then apologized to my daughter and regraded her essay. But this is a teacher in our school system that had no clue about the residential schools. So, uh, again, talking and learning about residential schools, that it did happen. It did affect people, uh, you know, their, their parents, their grandparents, and the inner general uh, generational trauma that it's uh, created uh, for Aboriginal people across uh, Canada is uh, something that people really need to do. When it comes to Canada's residential school system, not much has been made, at least I haven't heard a lot of, of how Métis people were impacted. What what can you tell us? Well, uh, the Métis experience of residential schools has long been misunderstood or ignored. However, it is indisputable that countless Métis children attended residential schools. Uh, And there was actually residential schools that that were built specifically for Métis children. An example of that would be... uh, uh, lacrosse in Alberta and you know especially here in Ontario too because they weren't part of the federal system uh, a lot of our uh, children went to uh, residential schools that were run by the provincial government well there's there's no doubt about it Métis people are resilient I think that's a word that comes to mind yes very resilient and uh, you know we're working with other uh, Aboriginal people throughout Canada with all levels of government to try to uh, make sure that the Métis are uh, included in the discussions 
you know, they may not be as uh, uh, widely impacted as uh, the First Nation were through the part the numbers, but they definitely attended and they definitely were impacted. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Hank Rowlandson. He is the chair of the Métis Nation of Ontario. Um, it wasn't too long ago that Pope Francis was uh, here in Canada and uh, offered an apology for the Catholic Church's role in Canada's residential school system. What, that, what did that apology mean to you, and, and how do we move forward? Uh, we, uh, we sent a delegation to, uh, to Alberta for the papal visit. Um, and they were either residential school survivors or descendants of residential school survivors. And the Pope's apology uh, will mean different things to each survivor. Uh, you know, to me, I want to see uh, what comes out of the apology. I know the Pope made some promises, some recommendations, and uh, uh, I, I will... Um, I guess I, I, I'm waiting to see what happens. Uh, an apology is an apology, but without action, it means nothing. But like I said, uh, each individual survivor, maybe that's all they needed was the apology, the recognition that it happened, the uh, Catholic Church taking responsibility, and it may be their uh, first opportunity to start healing. What kind of action would you like to see? Well, Definitely, uh, from a, a Canadian government perspective, anyways, to immediately implement the remaining TRC calls to action, uh, with particular attention to Volume Four of the final report. Uh, from a Métis perspective, commit uh, to a pro uh, process of engaging Métis governments across uh, Canada to ensure the Métis experience with uh, within the residential boarding and day schools finally told and addressed. Um, you know, fully implement Jordan's principle. Uh, you know, they've, they've started, uh, this is the second year of uh, Truth and Reconciliation. So they started the National Holiday, which is good because, like I said, it uh, creates awareness and education around the residential school system and the atrocities that it's caused. Uh, but I, I think we should be talking about it year-round, just not on September 30th. Absolutely. I've always said there there can be a lot more done in this regard. And, and why not start in school and, and teach kids when they're young about what has happened and how it's impacted so many people? Exactly. And it's all about education. And uh, like I said, I know when I went to grade school and high school, it definitely wasn't in the curriculum that uh, I was taught. Same here. And that's unfortunate. We really have to change that narrative. Hank, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll continue to listen and continue to learn as well. Thank you, Rick. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for your time. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Fair day, especially those that suffered in those institutions and survived. And then I also feel that it's for all the little ones who died. And welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. That is the voice of National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, Roseanne Archibald, on what she is reflecting on on this National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. There is a new documentary that will also be taking an in-depth look into the relationship between Indigenous people 
and settlers here in Canada. The two-hour documentary is called True Story, and it premieres tonight at 9 on the History Channel, and I'm very much looking forward to watching this. Danae Robinson is one of the executive producers, the creator, director, showrunner of True Story, also a member of the Swan Lake First Nations Manitoba on Treaty 1 territory. Danae, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Tell us about True Story. This sounds like a fascinating story. Absolutely. So True Story uh, is a two-hour feature documentary that premieres tonight on the History Channel. Um, What's really unique about this documentary is that it's the first uh, feature documentary to be featured on the History Channel about Indigenous history told only by Indigenous voices and experts. An Indigenous production company. Uh, Our narrator is Dio Horn, actress known for uh, Reservation Dogs, Letterkenny. Um, It's it's a very uh, special documentary that is coming out, of course, because it talks about the history of relationships between Indigenous people and settlers on the lands that is now called Canada. And um, a lot of the documentary talks about the history that existed on these lands prior to contact. So our thousands of years of history, um, our creation stories, um, the the diversity of nations amongst that, that lived on these lands and how we governed ourselves, the special roles of elders, women, uh, two-spirit people, queer people, and, and how that all changed um, once contact happened. And then we begin to explore what happened between contact and uh, the creation of the Indian Act. How did those relationships change from ones of uh, beneficial, mutual um, commerce, partnerships? How did that change? So, so that's um, the, the story we'll be telling. It sounds amazing. And I was just reading the synopsis the other day on how it's it begins with Turtle Island's creation story and then goes from there. And I'm just envisioning you know, all the different stories we're going to be able to experience through this documentary. Mm-hmm. And and keep in mind, that's only just a handful of stories yeah. in histories that exist. What what do you hope the takeaway is going to be for those who tune in tonight to the History Channel and and absorb this documentary true story? I hope that they take away um, an understanding of, quote, why people cannot just get over residential schools and and how traumatic they are and or they were in families. Um, To give you an idea, I come from a family of residential school survivors and I am the first generation that did not attend residential schools. So that is how fresh this this legacy is. And um, I hope people come away wanting to learn more and, and with an open heart and just a desire to want to learn more um, and to realize that these truths are ugly, they're uncomfortable, but for in order in order for true reconciliation to take place, we need to acknowledge these histories and understand that it's a shared history. It's not just Indigenous history. 
And even though, uh, and you just mentioned it, you yourself did not go to a residential school, you still are impacted by that that pain, those memories, the storytelling that is passed down. There's still an impact there. Absolutely. Um, I think I think a lot of people don't realize how fresh those wounds are for uh, for families that have been impacted. But um, as, as I said, I think the only way to healing is acknowledge that these horrific things did happen. When you're putting together this new documentary, and again, it's a two-hour documentary called True Story. It premieres tonight at 9 on the History Channel. We're in discussion with Danae Robinson, the executive producer, creator, director, and showrunner of this doc. When you're putting this together, did you learn something new about yourself, about your culture? Um, I think I learned, I, I, so the way the documentary started and the way it ended is completely different from how we initially wrote it. And that was due to our experts that welcomed us into their communities and were just willing to share as much as they did with us. And, um, and, and and I knew this going in is like there there is diversity amongst our, our people, our nations, but uh, it's just interesting to see those stories and the 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 creation stories or protocols, ceremonies. It was it was truly fascinated, and I'm beyond grateful that I was able to be a part of it and that they entrusted me with these with these stories to tell. Well, I can't wait to watch it. It is tonight at 9 on the History Channel. It's called True Story. Danae, thank you for your time. Uh, Best of luck with this going forward. Thank you so much for having me. Danae Robinson is the executive producer, creator, director, showrunner of True Story, and a member of Swan Lake First Nations, Manitoba on Treaty 1 territory. True Story also available to stream on Stack TV uh, through Amazon Prime Channels, Fubo TV, Rogers Ignite TV, and Ignite Smart Stream. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Pleased to be joined by our next guest, which has uh, an amazing story to tell. And it's through, you know, things like sports and music. It speaks to a wide variety of people. You could be in a different country, uh, a part of a different culture, race, religion. Music and sports really go hand in hand in bringing people together at the end of the day. And, And this conversation really on this Truth and Reconciliation Day is no different. And it just happens to be Canada's national pastime, hockey. And hockey brings people together, whether it's in the stands to watch a game or on the ice to participate. And Sabat Hokema is a former player with Hockey Cares. And why are we talking about this? Well, Hockey Cares has launched years ago to bring um, people in the GTHA with those in, in this year's mind, from Attawapiskat. And this is a wonderful program that I think is a big eye-opener for those who are involved. Well, let's ask Sabat and how it was for her. How did you get involved in the program, number one? I was uh, asked by... Uh, I was in the, the female team, but then I transferred to the male's team. Then I was asked if I wanted to go, and I accepted that I wanted to go because I wanted to experience how it is playing different places and stuff you know what i mean like yeah yeah yep. meeting more people just wanted to like be out there and so what was the experience like how would you describe it when you're on the ice competing against 
others. It was incredible. It was it was awesome. It was oh my god. It was <laughs> incredible meeting and playing against other people that are like good as you. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine that's a real eye-opener. And it's not only what happens on the ice, but really off the ice, too, in learning about each other's cultures. Talk a little bit about that. Learning about each other's cultures, it's, it's great. Learned a lot of things about them through the throughout people and their kids that are my age there. Learned about their cultures and stuff, and what, um, what they do and how they learn it. Yeah. And vice versa as well. I'm sure the people, whether they're from, you know, the, the GTA Oakville, I know is a big, uh, you know, supporter of this program. They're up at Attawapiskat this coming November to mm-hmm. have, you know, that that kind of student exchange experience. What do you think they're going to learn about your culture and your community? They're going to learn a lot because they have a lot of learning and offer to learn to teach other people. Our culture is, there's a lot to learn in there. They're they're even willing to teach you on how to bead, sew, and how to make hand drums and uh, other stuff. Yeah, and those students are also going to participate in a traditional hunting camp, which sounds pretty cool. Um, A powwow, ceremonies in a teepee, and of course, playing hockey as well. Apart from hockey, what do you think is going to be the most interesting thing for them? The most interesting thing... Is for them. They're going to learn about our culture, the powwows, the what is that, the drumming and all that stuff. I really, I really think they're going to be interested in that instead of hockey. <laughs> they might not want to play. They might just want to go on the hunting, uh, the hunting yeah, camp. Right? <laughs> Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Sabat Hokuma, a former player uh, who participated in the Hockey Cares program, and it's marking national um, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation with a, a, sort of a student exchange. There's going to be some participants from the Oakville area this coming November going up to Attawapiskat to see how uh, they live and how the, you know, the traditions that they adhere to and, and the fun that they have off and on the ice when it comes to hockey. What was, what was the most important thing that you learned when you uh, experienced the, the traditions of, uh, of, of people who are not in your community? Uh, on, on how I experienced it there. Mm-hmm. Um, on how I experienced it there was, I was learning how to make new friends and how to stop being shy and stuff like that, and like nervous and stuff. It was um, it was great. I'm sure it's made a lifelong impact. You've made some new friends. It's it's I'm sure an eye opener and probably an eye opener for a lot of the people who are who are going to be visiting Attawapiskat. What's the yeah. best part of Attawapiskat? The best part is the people and then how they're willing to help you out. It's just the best part of them, like the culture. Our culture is the best part of it, mostly. Do you still play hockey? Yeah, I still play hockey. And how are you on the ice? I'm I'm great. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> what's What's your favorite part of the sport? What do you like about it? It's just just getting out there to play. Mm-hmm. I like a challenge when I come play. When the now, players are harder than me. Are you a forward or do you defense? Are you in goal? Do you do you do all three? Do you participate in that way? I'm a forward. Excellent. So you like scoring the goals then? 
<laughs> Sabat, I really appreciate your time. Uh, great chat. And uh, I hope you can enjoy National Day for Truth and Reconciliation because it is an important day. And mm -hmm. uh, I know that this program really goes a long way to, I think, uh, opening a lot of people's eyes in terms of how each other uh, live, work and play, have fun and how we can learn a lot about yes. uh, each other. So I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Last year, right around this time, we had about 5,000 people gathered for an unsanctioned uh, street party in the Westdale neighborhood uh, in and around McMaster University. And obviously a huge no-no. Um, uh, repercussions were made. Uh, people were uh, found and uh, penalties were paid. Uh, at the end of the day, a lot of residents were upset, and rightfully so, uh, McMaster University included, as they were put in a uh, a bad light. This year, we're hoping for a much different story, and here to tell us about what is happening in preparation for this weekend, Hamilton Police Superintendent David Hennick. David, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Rick, and thanks for having me on. What is the message to students and others this year regarding these outdoor street parties? Well, I guess I'd like to start first by just acknowledging. So in the past, these unsanctioned street and public gatherings have been disruptive to our community, and they obviously pose significant public safety risks uh, to the individuals that choose to attend. Um, these events, they have resulted in enhanced and unnecessary demands on all of our emergency services. This includes our hospitals. Um, and and important, you alluded to it already, but they negatively impact the residents' quality of life in our community. So it's all those people who call Westdale and Ainsley Woods neighborhood home and in the area in and around McMaster. Um, what I heard from them loud and clear is that they felt unsafe um, last year and uh, they were looking for a larger police presence. And so what what I can tell you is that the public and the, the student body there at McMaster, everyone who lives in and around that area, you will see a significant police presence in the community. Um, we have partnered closely with bylaw, with fire, uh, with EMS, um, with McMaster University Special Constables, and uh, including the student union at McMaster to help be preventative and proactive, get the message out to the students to say these events are unlawful, they're unsanctioned, they can be dangerous, and we're asking that people do not attend uh, these unsanctioned street events. That's the message. We hope that all week long uh, this week, we will be um, spending significant time on public education, public education about the new bylaw, the fines that individuals could face uh, should they still choose to attend once the event has been um determined to be or found to be a public nuisance. And those fines uh, range anywhere from $300 all the way up to $10,000. And so we're, like I said, we're partnering closely with bylaw on that issue. But in addition to the bylaw, all the original rules are still in place. So drinking in public, open alcohol, things like that, sh shutting down the roadways and blocking the roadways. They're all offenses. And, um, one of the largest considerations as well is that this is the negative impact on the residents that live in the area. That's something for us to be mindful. Our focus is on public safety and community safety. And we're hoping that all the work and effort that has put into public education this week and the issuance of the new bylaw uh, will deter people from attending. And so that's really our goal. Were we caught off guard last year? 
I mean, we're in the midst of the pandemic. The last thing I thought ever anyone would think would be, you know, having 5,000 people outside partying. Well, I, what I will say is that, uh, in, I came down to Central in 2019. I've been in charge of operations since then. Um, I felt the plan was appropriate at the time. Uh, for two years in a row, we saw no students at the school, and then we saw, um, you know, a, a portion of students come back. So I thought that we had an appropriate plan in place. Clearly, it wasn't robust enough uh, to deal with uh, the influx of kids that we saw. And I shouldn't say kids, I'm going to say young adults. Um, so five, very quickly, I think that started around uh, 11 o'clock in the morning on that day. But within an hour and a half, we had 5,000 people on uh, on the street. So you know, ultimately people are responsible for their actions and we're counting on them to be a good neighbor, to show good judgment and to not attend these events. And um, I'm confident in the plan uh, that has been developed for this Saturday. Uh, we're working extremely close. Like I said, uh, the city of Hamilton, Hamilton police, Hamilton fire, Hamilton paramedics, McMaster, everyone is working together. Our priority is going to be community safety and keeping everyone uh, safe at the event, but also uh, enforcing uh, the bylaws, the provincial laws, and the criminal um, criminal code offenses uh, that that exist. And we saw some of that last year. We saw some some residents that live in the community that had their homes damaged. We saw individuals who urinated on. Uh, some homes. And we also, of course, like everyone's aware, we saw that an individual uh, victim had her car flipped over and that was damaged beyond repair. And um, five or six young adults were arrested and charged for that. Um, and so that's the sort of thing we're looking to avoid this year. We're hoping through public education and strong partnerships with McMaster, the city of Hamilton, including public health, um, that we can deter these from occurring. As with uh, you know, any, uh, I guess, police procedure, we're always expecting the best, but always prepared for uh, anything that could happen. I know you and uh, the staff and all the uh, men and women uh, who will be on the street and in and around the area will be ultra prepared this time around. Superintendent Hennick, we'll have to leave it there as we're out of time. I really appreciate your time. All right. Thanks for having me, Rick, and uh, stay safe. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Big factor in our day-to-day lives right now is, well, the cost of living. Gas prices are a little higher. The price at uh, the grocery store is about 10% more than it was last year at this time. Inflation, high inflation, rising inflation has become a big problem for the majority of Canadian households. And this is identified in the 5th Annual BDO Affordability Index. Paul Anacek is the Vice President's Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Paul, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Rick. It's always great to be on your show. The 5th Annual BDO Affordability Index is out, and this year's findings are really, when we dig down into the numbers, the most concerning ever in the years that this poll has been released. Tell us about the results of this survey, particularly how Ontarians are doing compared to the rest of the country. The survey conducted by Angus Reid for BDO examines the affordability and financial health of Canadians. And you are right. You know, this is the most concerning BDO affordability index that we have seen in the five years that the BDO has conducted it. The survey shows for a majority of Canadians, including many here in Ontario, affordability has become a major problem. You know, in the past, the surveys were polarizing. Not this time, because this time inflation 
Canadians from coast to coast are really struggling. Most Canadians cannot afford anything beyond the essentials. Uh, this includes their financial future and discretionary spending. Uh, just listen to some of the survey findings. More than three quarters, 78% report worsening financials due to inflation and rising costs. Over half of Canadians, 54% are living paycheck to paycheck. Six in 10 are saving less. Rising food costs due to inflation is having a serious impact on people's day-to-day lives. As many as 35% are finding it challenging to feed themselves and their family. Now that's up 12% from last year. The high cost of gas has taken a toll. The majority of Canadians find it difficult to afford transportation. And this has also increased from last year, up 17%. And we're seeing it on a, a daily basis. You know, Canadians, and especially people in Hamilton, are giving us a call and talking to us about what am I going to do? We're getting into a situation where Canadians are actually having to decide, what am I going to have to pay? I can no longer pay what I used to be able to pay. And that's, that's a worse decision, especially when you're thinking, you know, Am I putting food on the table or am I paying my bills? You know, years ago, you used to see a, a commercial doing the same thing. Now we're seeing the reality. And it, when people phone, you can hear it in their voices that they are getting tired of having to force to pay higher prices. And it's taking that toll on Canadians. And compounding the problem is they're, uh, you know, they're adding to their debt load just to make ends meet. That's right. The affordability index shows that more than half of those surveyed, 52% have added to their debt. Nearly 42% now say their debt has become overwhelming, almost double the levels we saw in 2021. And they are admitting they can't keep up with their payments and interest costs, and that was 41%. Of those that are turning to debt to keep up, when asked the reason behind the increase, a vast majority, 84% said inflation, and that's up 14%. And the highest age group is those among over 55 at 92%. And the reason we see that is because a lot of people over the age of 55 are on a fixed income. So they don't really have a way to increase how much they're earning on a monthly basis. So they are the ones that are really impacting, you know, 39% say overspending uh, has been a big issue. And of course, we're seeing this in the age group of 18 to 24 at 39%. And only 26% of Canadians now are saying that paying down debt is a top priority. That's an interesting statistic. We're in discussion with Paul Anachek, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions as the fifth annual BDO Affordability Index is out. And it shows that high inflation is a massive problem for the majority of Canadian households. That that paying down debt being a top priority, only a quarter of Canadians uh, saying that that is priority number one, that's got to be concerning because if you're not paying down that debt, you're you're adding to the debt load, as we just saw in these statistics, and those rising costs are not going the other way. This is quite concerning. Uh, definitely, it is very concerning, and it's really you know a short-term solution. Uh, however, they're not looking at their long-term consequences. The more debt you accumulate, the harder it's going to be to pay off. The less you're going to be able to contribute to your savings in retirement. And you know, if you're struggling today, it's hard to look tomorrow. And really, our BDO affordability index shows that. You know, 62% of Canadians are saving less or not at all, especially for retirement. Of those saving less, you know, 64% are women. You know, the primary reason behind this is, you know, increase the spending on essentials, especially for groceries, especially for rent. Uh, for those that are looking for mortgages, you know, 
we're seeing that our survey showing that Canadians are almost giving up on the possibility of buying a home. Years ago, years ago, it used to be just that dream. But now, because of inflation, and we see the housing prices here in Hamilton. Yes, slowly, there's been a bit of a, a correction. However, for many Canadians, it's still just too much to afford a home. We got a couple of minutes to talk about solutions, options that our listeners have out there, because there are a number of things that they can do to get ahead of the financial game. That's right. There's always solutions out there. And if, if any of your listeners are feeling alone because of the stats or, uh, you know, losing sleep, you know, there are solutions. However, the sooner you reach out, the more solutions you have, especially if you're, if you're avoiding making your bill payments. You know, we meet with Canadians every day thousands of Canadians uh, on a yearly basis. And we talk about the solutions. It's something as simple as budgeting, where half of Canadians don't have a budget. But we also talk about things like debt consolidation, consumer proposals, bankruptcies. You know, the solution is tailored to what your financial situation is. Everyone's situation is unique, and that's one thing to remember. So when you talk to a licensed insolvency trustee, you know, it's free, it's confidential, and we go over all your solutions. Even though that you might not need to take action today, knowing that there are solutions down the road, if things become unmanageable, is actually going to ease a lot of your stress. And I get, uh, you know, long story short, uh, it's a free, no obligation, initial consultation with a person like yourself, Paul, to, you know, go over someone's budget, talk about their options, talk about how we can get people in a better financial place. That's right. And it's important to know that I am a licensed insolvency trustee. However, bankruptcy is not all that I do. The government regulates that we talk about all the options that are available. You know, sometimes it is as simple as, you know, getting a budget in place for an individual. But there are those individuals that need to take that step into a proposal or bankruptcy. And we're here to guide them through that and help them through that entire process. And ultimately, the goal is to reduce that debt stress. Let's get you focused on your future again. Let's get in a position where you can be saving for your retirement or buying a home or meeting any of your long-term goals. Well, to shed some of that debt stress, give Paul's team a call at 1-855-BDO-DEBT. You can visit the website bdodebt.ca, again, to schedule a free, confidential, no-obligation appointment. Paul, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Rick. That is Paul Anacek, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Debt Solutions, uh, with some solid advice on how to get ahead of this inflation monster. I know, easier said than done. It takes a lot of work to do so, but some tips and advice to hopefully get you to that better place. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It seems like the offseason for the Ontario Hockey League came and went kind of like that. It was it was really quick. And maybe, just maybe, it's because the Bulldogs went all the way to the Memorial Cup and that really shortened the offseason. But the regular season is now here as the Dogs are in Guelph tonight to open up defense of their Ontario Hockey League Championship. Here to break it all down is Reed Duthie, the play-by-play announcer for the Hamilton Bulldogs. Reed, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Rick. Nothing like starting the season with some technical difficulties. <laughs> it, it's, it just seems like yesterday we were talking about the Memorial Cup run, and, and here we are talking about game number one of the next regular season. How has the offseason treated this Hamilton Bulldogs team? You know, it, it, and you're exactly right, Rick. It, it felt like blink, and, and we went from flying back home to getting set to go to Guelph to play tonight. But I think overall the offseason has been kind to this team. 
Um, the returns of players like Logan Morrison and Avery Hayes as overagers. We've seen it before, go back in time after the 2018 championship where Ben Gleason is scooped and taken to the next level. Uh, the Bulldogs will at least have a couple of those leaders in the lineup and, and ready to go for this season. And some young talent that's really going to have an opportunity to break out. Patrick Thomas, Florian Jacki, Adrian Rabello, Merrick Van Acker. Wait until fans get a chance to really see him in games. This is a really good team, especially considering what they just accomplished. A massively important part of this overall picture as well is that in net, uh, Marco Costantini is back as well. Marco Costantini plus Matteo Drobak, Tristan Malbuff, and young David Igorov. The Bulldogs right now, four goaltenders, any one of which, Rick, extremely good. Drobak 19-2 and two last year. Costantini led the league in goals against, save percentage, shutouts, and for a while in the playoffs, had more assists than he was giving up goals per game. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's pretty crazy. Is head coach Jay McKee, knowing that there's a, a new crop of guys that are going to be hitting the ice, does the system change at all, knowing that he's he's got a different roster, or is he going to employ the successful system that brought them all the way to the Mem Cup last year? From everything I've seen, it looks like the same system, and it's the same mantra as they started with uh, in the 2021-22 season. Rick, if you go back in time, remember the Bulldogs were not necessarily looked at at the beginning of last season as the overall favorite that they became, the juggernaut team that they would turn out to be. Jay McKee is going to teach these young men to play Bulldogs hockey, and when you look at the veteran leadership core that's coming back, They've got a lot of great players to show them how to do just that. We're in discussion with Reed Duthie, the play-by-play announcer with the Hamilton Bulldogs, as Hamilton kicks off their OHL regular season tonight in Guelph at the Sleeman Center. Puck drop is at 7.30. They'll be in Peterborough tomorrow night for game number two of their schedule. The home opener is not until October the 8th against Oshawa. What kind of preparations are being made at First Ontario Centre to get ready for this puck drop? I was just going to say, Rick, that's okay because we need the uh, we need the time to get ourselves ready for this home <laughs> opener. Five thousand replica championship rings are going to be given out for fans coming through the doors for home opener. We've got to raise four banners. We've got the trophy still in the house. Everything and anything can happen at home opener. It is going to be a great night to celebrate everything that the 2022 Hamilton Bulldogs did. And uh, really, Rick, I mean, it, it was a historic season, and it's something that the team should celebrate and the fans should be excited to celebrate. It's something that Hamilton had never seen before. That kind of winning record, the number of wins, the number of points, 12-0 and 0 through the Eastern Conference, that Game 7 in front of 12,000 fans, it was spectacular, and I think everybody involved should be extremely proud from the organization to the fans to the billets, everyone, and it will be a great night to celebrate everything that was accomplished. Yeah, it really was. When you look back, a ridiculously successful season last year with you know, a record-breaking 51 wins, 107 points. You know, they, they win their last 10 regular season games. They sweep the first three rounds of the playoffs. They win an epic, uh, you know, OHL final. They go the Memorial Cup. They end up in the final. Just a whirlwind of a season. What impact do you think that run is going to have on those returning players to share that knowledge, that experience with uh, some of the new guys that are going to be on this team? I think it's huge. Experience is something that you can't replace. I mean, you and I have talked about before when players are, are, are joining the team, there's no 
substitute for gameplay. You can you can try to mimic it in practice. You can try to mimic it in scrimmages. There's definitely no substitute for Game 7 of an OHL final. There's no substitute for playing three do-or-die games in a Memorial Cup. These guys will have the knowledge to be able to pass this along to the next level and look at what those guys that won that 2018 championship were able to do to pass it along to Logan Morrison, to Avery Hayes, to Gavin White, to that group of guys that went on to lead that next one. The pieces are here, Rick. They're in place for that next Bulldogs group. Now the teaching is happening. I think we're going to see another special group come out of what Steve Steos and company have done at the draft table. Hamilton Bulldogs beginning defense of their OHL championship tonight in Guelph against the Storm. They'll visit Peterborough tomorrow night. Home opener October 8th against Oshawa. You can get your tickets at HamiltonBulldogs.com. I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Bulldogs Foundation because year in and year out they're doing tremendous work in the community, whether it's the teddy bear toss at uh, at the rink, uh, you know, players visiting schools, uh, raising money for... For uh, you know um, the the breakfast program, talk about the importance of the foundation and how the players really buy into this. Well, one Peggy Chapman, Michael Andlauer do an incredible job making this a big part of what the Hamilton Bulldogs, their players, the whole organization does. Rick, and then you look at everything that we put into it, and the players love it. I can't wait now that we get an opportunity to go back and do some of these school visits, back and do some of these minor hockey visits where the the, the students and the, the young players, the kids, they light up as soon as the players come through the door and they see these Bulldog heroes that they look at on the ice when they come to First Ontario Centre and they're right there interacting with them. There's no substitute for that. And you can see it when the players for the Bulldogs give the message that they're giving to these kids. They take it in. They buy into it and it perpetuates that culture that we're looking for. It, it keeps it moving. This, this character that we want in the city of Hamilton is what the Bulldogs are bringing to it. And then, of course, the breakfast program to help students that are in need of a good meal, the Bulldogs Foundation feeding the kids. I mean, it doesn't get any better than what the Bulldogs Foundation does in the community. The players just love being a part of it. And I love being able to, to be just a small piece of that. Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal, and so many kids benefit from this program. Reed, good luck tonight. Uh, great uh, job on the call, uh, and uh, let's hope the Bulldogs are right back in the thick of things uh, sometime in the spring and early summer. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us today. It's always a pleasure, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. Reed Duffy, play-by-play announcer with the Hamilton Bulldogs. Dogs and Storm in Guelph tonight. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.